From the campus of Stanford University, this is the Innovators radio show and podcast featuring one-on-one interviews with renowned thought leaders, founders, and game changers committed to ideas, innovation, and entrepreneurship well executed. Our radio show and podcast illuminates the struggle, breakthroughs, and exceptional outcomes purpose-driven entrepreneurs and game changers bring to industries, organizations, and lives. Hosted by executive producer of Stanford Athletics, Beyond the Champions, radio show, and principal of Podfather Media, Tom Dioro. Today, we're really honored and uh, really excited to be joined by Eugene Johnson. Eugene is the CEO of Revy which is a technology solution to drive revenue through consumer data and relationships, just like e-commerce sites do. Revy elevates the consumer experience by digitizing their purchasing process, allowing them to build consumer profiles, personalize their experience, and reward them through the purchasing journey. Their vision is to become the Amazon, love this, to become the Amazon of the physical space and become the way consumers desire to engage with businesses around them. Eugene grew up in one of the toughest neighborhoods in New York City and often found himself caught up in the difficulties of living in an impoverished area. Though his circumstances were not ideal, he had dreams of taking his life to unprecedented heights. Feel free to visit their website at getrevi.com. That's getrevi.com. Eugene, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Eugene, we, we, we like to start our show off with, uh, if you have a quote or a prayer or a mantra, something that really resonates with you that you may have heard when you're younger or even could be this morning that, that uh, encapsulates what, you know, just your personal and business life. Yeah, so the, the quote that I live by is, uh, let no man steal your vision because no man gave it to you. Um, and it's the thing that drives me forward is it, it keeps me, uh, not focused on other people's opinions, uh, but just focused on, you know, the calling that I feel like I have on my life that, it, that God has given me to just push through and, and fight through all the ups and downs. And so that's my, uh, that's my quote. That's outstanding. Now, Eugene, what's your thought or, or take on this? Is it oftentimes if we look back in our, in our, uh, our past, some of the things that seem to be a, a disadvantage actually turn out to be an advantage. What's your thought on that? Yeah, so you know, I, I like, I, like I mentioned, like you mentioned earlier, um, yeah, I grew up in a pretty rough neighborhood, and you know, I think a lot about how my son grows up today, both of my sons now, and just the things that they did, they don't have to go through because I went through it and I survived it and I was able to to push through and thrive. But I think that there's certain things that that struggle made me, that there's the person that that struggle made me that I don't think I would have become if I was in comfort. And so I think a lot of people end up putting themselves in a position where they're saying, how do I remove the struggle or the hard times or the hurt or the pain? But in reality, the question is, how do I use that to further the thing that I've been called to do? And I think my you know, focus has always been about trying to figure out not how to make things better, but how to be better. And if I can be better, then I can make things better. And I think that that's been that's always been my focus around you know, uh, around that thought process. How much do you feel, at least in years, you know, obviously quantify a percentage, that being is an internal work on yourself, and then an outward expression. 
I, I, I agree with that 100%. I think that the thought process, I think that the thing that's got people so riled up, especially with the concept of social media, is forced people to try to fight to push my being outside and make it an external thing before it is an internal thing. And this is the reason why people end up saying, oh, this person is just got married and this person just got a new car and this person just got a new job and I'm comparing myself to everyone. Uh, but a great proverb in the Bible says that, you know, the person who compares themselves among themselves are fools. And so my thought process is that it's always the internal work that has to start first. And I remember one of my, so when I was younger, I had a mentor, his name was Paul J. Meyer. He said something I'll never forget. He said, if Eugene, if you change the way you think, you can change your life. And he used to always repeat that. If you change the way you think, you can change your life. And so I think the reality is that thinking is an internal process because a, a thought starts with an idea that becomes a perception and that perception becomes a concept and that concept gets translated into words and those words then become outward. But so many people are worried about the words. What you do got to do is back up to the thought, the idea that turned into a precept, that turned into a concept that ended up turning into the actual word itself, which became a belief and that belief became your truth. Now, unfortunately, people have your truth mixed up as well because there's no such thing as your truth or my truth is thus the truth. The sky is blue or it's not blue. So objective truth is a real thing. And so like your belief needs to be rock solid on a strong foundation. Um, but all of that is an internal work. Now, on the, you mentioned that you have a definitely, obviously, a God-based belief system and, and an essence to you. Is there a point in your life where you really aligned with that God, universal, uh, higher being source? I think it was when I was 18. You know, I, I, I was I had never been a fan of uh, God at all, you know, up until that point. Um, but I met a gentleman who talked to me about um, his experience in life. He talked to me about the things that he went through and he talked to me about God. And at that moment, I was in a place where I was kind of searching to figure out who I was. And what I realized was that, you know, in any item, if we buy any item, whether it's a car or a phone or whatever, the best way to understand that item is to go to the creator of the item and ask him what that item was created for. And I think for me, I was at a place where I was looking for strong identity. And, you know, we had this conversation and I realized, right, that that at some point we got to go and find what that identity is based in and what the foundation of that identity is. And that's that's where I went to God. Some other people go to other things, um, you know, and I'm not I, I, you know, I'm kind of a rare breed. I didn't come to God because my family were Christians or anything like that. I came to God on my own search and then I was on the search for truth. And then that truth led me to look at the evidence and my evidence. When I looked at it, I felt like this was the strongest case versus Buddhist or Muslim or agnostic or atheist. Like I felt like there was a stronger case for, um, you know, uh, for, uh, uh, you know, for theism uh, and backed by, you know, backed by Christianity. Um, and that based off the evidence, not just off emotional field, but that's a whole long, long story. <laughs> 
Well, I love that you shared that. That truth that you're talking about, that's a universal truth. It's not, a, it's not subject to your own opinions, right. your own perspective, and your own views, but a, a universal truth that was here before us and will, after us. How does that play in, in this is a, a strong segue, into Revy and what you're doing yeah. now, and how is it so aligned? You know, I think a lot of it is because I always felt called, you know, ever since I, I, I took that, 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 that path towards truth, I always felt called to be, to walk in my, and what my version of truth was in the truth, in the overall truth itself. And that meant finding a thing that I felt called to do. What was I purpose to be? What, what was I put on this planet to accomplish? And, you know, as I started thinking about that, you know, I realized that, you know, as a person who is an African-American male, you know, uh, there's a lot of uh, scenarios that, you know, can block that type of a person from getting to the next level of success. Um, and so I always wanted to be to have an impact on those who looked like me, came from where I came from. And what I realized, I remember when Obama became president, you know, if you kind of know, if you knew about politics at that time, yeah, there were always African-Americans in politics. But when he became president, it exploded. I mean, the amount of people uh, that, that, were, that were like him that came into politics was so great. And I felt like my call is in, a, in an industry that's not that uh, driven by African-Americans, which is the tech industry, to be a person like what I call the Obama effect, to be the person that got to a level of success that other people could relate to and say, you know what, if he could do it, then I can. And I think that that was, that's been the, you know, the driving force of me getting into tech and really starting Revy was it started with this internal desire. Cause I was already at that point in my life, I was already making, you know, I already had a lot of money. You know, money wasn't an issue for me. It was really about trying to drive towards purpose and creating a long lasting legacy uh, for myself and my family. And so I saw tech uh, starting a tech company as an opportunity to do so. And then that kind of spawned into the what I wanted to build and why it became Revy. And it was really came off, a, it came off a concept that I really fell in love with. You know, and uh, a company that I was working with, uh, they basically had this product that they were selling to small and medium-sized businesses. And the idea was that there would be a splash page and people would go onto the splash page. They would get those people's information and then try to leverage that information to get them to come back into the store. And they called it building the bridge between the physical and the digital. Now, I was, uh, you know, the product wasn't that good, to be honest, but I was in love with the concept. And as I looked at the concept, I started to say, you know what? History is a strong indicator of the future. And if you look at web, the web 2.0 conversation, we, you know, a lot of people talk about web 2.0, web 3.0, but if you look at web 2.0, web 2.0 is about saying, how do I take what's happening in the physical world and bring it to the digital world? Buy stuff, ship stuff, mail stuff. That was web 2.0. And that really what built the infrastructure of the internet. So now you go to web three and everybody's calling it decentralization, crypto, you know, NFTs, blockchain, so on and so forth. But in reality, I actually disagree with a lot of smart people. I actually think web three is really web four. And Web3 started about seven or eight years ago, but it was miscategorized as a sharing economy. And the idea of the sharing economy was I get to share my home or my car or my tools. And that was the focus. But in the, what the folk, what they, what a lot of people missed was it wasn't about the sharing. It was about the fact that I got a chance to digitize a physical item 
in the physical space and give consumers the ability to engage with that physical item digitally. So simply put, I get into a physical Uber, but the entire experience is digital. That is the digital meeting the physical. And so it's really the opposite of 2.0. 2.0 is about taking what you do in the real world and bringing it to the digital world. In my opinion, 3.0 or 2.5, whatever you want to call it, is about taking what you do in the digital world and now bringing it back to the physical world. And as much as I like Zucks and you know his plan for the metaverse, you know there's some practical use cases of digital technology that can impact us on the everyday world. This is what Revy is trying to solve. Excellent. This is terrific. You're listening to The Innovator Show, KZSU Stanford, 90.1 FM. We're talking today with Eugene Johnson, CEO of Revy. For more information, feel free to visit their website at getrevy.com. That's getrevi.com. Eugene, if you're at liberty to share you know, some of the recent projects, or you don't have to name clients that you're working on, I'm sure your audience would, would love to hear. Yeah, I think some of the cool things and the fun things that the audience would probably be interested in is like, you know, when you walk into a physical store, I ask questions like, why do I still need to pull out my credit card? You know, I get in an Uber. I don't have to pull out my wallet or a credit card. Why do I? Clearly, the technology is available. So why? Why do I still engage in that way? You know, why when I sit down at a restaurant, I have to wait 15 minutes to wave down the cash, the, the waitress to finally come and see us so they can bring us some water, right? Like, the, you know, when I get into a, a, a line in Disneyland, why do I have to actually wait three hours in a line? Like, you know, the, the, it seems to be that technology can enhance a lot of these experiences. And so what Revy is launching is things that will help allow for people to walk into stores without ever having to pull out their credit card, going into a, you know, a restaurant and, and being able to have the, the menu catered to your desire. Like I'm a vegan. So show me only vegan options. I don't want to see anything else. Like, you know, um, being able to communicate marketing messages. Like there's so many times where like, I'm a vegan and you're sending me marketing messages for barbecue. You know, you just wasted your money because I'm never going to buy this. Right. So, you know, all of these things, you know, I get into, a, um, you know, I go into Disneyland and I, I now I can digitally check into a particular ride. And then we already know how long the ride takes, how many people can be on the ride. We can all digitally you know, access where you're at and gets you to that particular point where you can know when the ride is coming up, know when it's your turn and know 15 minutes ahead. Now you're only in line 15 minutes versus three hours. Like these are the things that we're planning on bringing to the market. So we're pretty excited about it. At present, how are you reaching out to the, to the marketplace or your specific marketplace? Yeah. So right now we have, Oh, I'm sorry. No, if you're at liberty to share, I don't want to yeah, yeah, yeah. give away um, your secret yeah, right sauce. Now we have, <laughs> right now we have a direct <laughs> sales um, process. So the direct sales okay. process is really simple. Uh, we've got uh, what we call SDRs, what we call AEs. They go out, they reach out to businesses, whether cold or warm, and then they try to convert those into conversations uh, you know, in a digital format, some type of Zoom or something like that. And then they do a presentation of what the Revy solution offers. We also get a lot of internal referrals. So a lot of our businesses are seeing so much success, like 30, 40, 50% uptick in revenue that they're telling their friends like, hey, you know. You know, a month, a couple months ago before Revy, I was making $12 a ticket. Now I'm making $24 a ticket. 
You know, you, you can't help but be excited about that if you're a business owner. That, that, that impacts your, your bottom line. So you've got a lot of businesses coming from our existing businesses. And then we're going to move into, you know, channel and building marketing funnels. And, you know, these are all everything that we've done has mostly been internal and organic. Um, so now we're starting to step into, you know, making the pub, the greater public aware of who Revy is uh, by marketing, advertising, you know, uh, building channel models, things of that nature. If you can uh, recall maybe a, a challenge in, in starting Revy, can you share how you overcame that? Maybe it's an incident. Maybe it's a, uh, a couple of months, whatever it is. It's something was just a bit of a challenge and man, it's glorious now. You don't have to name names unless you want to. Uh, man, I should, but I I, I shouldn't. I have I have a, I have a, I mean, there's so many, man. You know, running a company. You know, this is company number four for me, and so you know, being in business for for um, almost two decades at this point, you know, there's nothing new under the sun of like except for COVID. That you know, actually, you know, that was a that was a huge challenge. You know, that once in a lifetime situation. Oh, yeah. Yo, know, happening, yo, know, and we obviously we work with a lot of small businesses, a lot of medium sized businesses, you know, all in the physical world. So if the physical world shuts down like it did with COVID, uh, that definitely impacts our business. And I think that that was like extremely difficult. But the uh, the way that I get by those difficult things is, you know, obviously through faith. But you know, but really the practical scenario is expectation. I think that one of the biggest issues with a lot of entrepreneurs is they expect an upward trajectory consistently forever. And like that's a difficult reality that can't be met. That's an expectation that just can't be met. And so my expectations are though that when negative things happen, I already know that it's potential that negative things will happen. So I don't have an expectation that that they they won't. So when they happen, they don't impact me the same way. When you're expecting something and you don't get it, you have this letdown. But when you're expecting things to not go right because this is the game that you're playing and then nothing goes up 100%, you don't get hit by the surprises of life. And as long as you can say even kill, I, you know, a lot of, I talk a lot about this, but like most consumers or most um you know business people or most everyday individuals are on what they what I call the emotional roller coaster. When things are going up, they're extremely excited. Man, the world is great. Everything is great. I can't believe it. Everything's and then things are going down. It's like, oh my goodness, this is terrible. This is the end of the world. I suck. Everybody around me sucks. And it's like and you have to be able to be even killed. You can't be like an up and down roller coaster. And I think the the business leaders who know how to to navigate that process will always be more successful at the end because how you feel internally dictates how those around you feel. And if you're in chaos, everybody around you in chaos. So you can even you know um, you know double down and and put the whole company in a cycle because you don't have the ability to emotionally control uh, or be emotionally intelligent about, you know, the reality of business. Touch on legacy for you and what it means personally and professionally, if you'd like. Yeah. So I think that everything I do at the moment is for legacy. Um, there was a moment in time where I was young and I just wanted to do things to make money. And it was just like, all right, I just want to win. I just want to win at the highest level. Now I want to win because I believe that everything you do sticks with you forever. And, you know, especially with the internet generation, 
everything you do, everything you say, um, you know, potentially gets can get stuck in the ethos and your great, 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 great grandkids. Think about this. I have no clue what my great, great, great grandfather said about anything. I don't know his thought process about anything. But the reality is the world that we live in today, your great, 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 great grandkids will know what Tom thought, how Tom cared about people. You know, these are the legacies that we get a chance to leave behind. And to me, I think that that's more valuable than any dollar figure. And so my hope is really to leave a legacy of impact that I came here um, and I left the world slightly better than I left it. Um, and, you know, I think that that probably is is the thing that drives me the most. And, you know, obviously it's my legacy with my kids, my um, hopefully building them up in a way uh, that that is impactful uh, for their kids, um, you know, leaving an inheritance for their generation and then their generation's generation. Um, to impact people in my community, uh, to be able to see somebody who has won and has come back to pour back into that community to help others win. Um, you know, these are the things that I hope my legacy is, is wrapped around. What's your thought on uh, a lot of folks pay a lot, a lot of attention and move towards ha- the word happiness? I'm a, more, a little more into the, the fulfillment. What's your take on that? Yeah, I think I think searching for happiness is 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 um, futile, uh, you know, yeah. because at the end of the day, you'll never receive it. Because if you're waiting for something, this is something that you started earlier with, right? If you're waiting for external things to make you happy, you'll you'll never get enough. Because we are as human beings, we crave progress. So you can either grow or you can die, but there's no such thing as in between. And so a lot of people are craving this progress, and they feel like the progress is what builds the happiness. But if you turn around and say, I have to be internally happy with who I am and and what I've been called to do and where I'm at in my life and understanding the process that I'm going through, then you won't be so focused on the progress of the destination you know, because everybody wants to get to somewhere in order to be happy. I get my car. Now I'm happy. I bought my home. Now I'm happy. I finally got my wife or my husband. Now I'm happy. And in reality, even if you got those things, if you haven't dealt with the internal happiness within, even after getting those things, you'll find yourself still lost in depression and unhappiness. And this is the reason why you got a lot of billionaires and millionaires who have gotten all of this success and wondering like, how come I still feel empty? And, you know, this is why, you know, this is what guides me to faith. But this is a thing that a lot of people get stuck with is like, you realize that these immaterial things don't have the same material impact on your life and on your future and on your family. And I never gone to a person on their deathbed and said, do you wish you spent more time at work? And do you wish that you got another bigger car and a bigger home? You know, you know, they always say that the things that really matter, um, the things that really brought them happiness were things they couldn't pay for. Um, it was that inner that inner peace within within themselves and their family. So, you know, I just I just think that people are are chasing the wrong rabbit. Well said. Well said, Eugene. You're listening to the Innovators Podcast. We're talking today with Eugene Johnson, CEO of Revy. For more information, you can visit their website at getrevy.com. That's getrevi.com. Our public service announcement for uh, today's show is Hope Hanger. 
The Hope Hangers mission is to mobilize the local community to bring solutions to those experiencing physical, emotional, and mental health crisis. For more information, you can visit their website at hopehanger.org. That's hopehanger.org. Eugene, if you share with us why uh, the, that organization means or, or matters to you. Yeah, so, you know, that organization is a part of, um, you know, my church, Vibe Church. And, um, you know, I, I, I look at, I grew up in a single parent household. My mom, uh, you know, slaved away really difficult, you know, uh, circumstances to, to raise me. And I realized that there's some really good people that may be slightly down on their luck. Um, and just need a, a helping hand, a, a person who can come in and say, you know, I know that like you may need some food, you may need some clothes, you may need, you know, an opportunity. And, you know, it, it, sometimes people go to the low, try to go to the lowest of lows to help people there. And I think that there's help that's needed there as well. But the, there's some people who are just like inches away from a breakthrough and could use just one person to believe in them, one person to see more in them, one person to, to pull out the greatness that's within them. And, you know, those are the people that inspire me. It reminds me of people like my mom, uh, who fought like heck to, to, to keep a roof over our head. Um, I had, you know, a, you know, a pretty abusive upbringing outside of my mom. And so, you know, she did everything to protect me and to, to support me and to be mom and dad. And, you know, uh, it's a difficult thing to do. Uh, and sometimes it's, it's, it's you know, you, sometimes just getting a little help uh, could go a long way uh, and it can make an impact not just on that person, but the generations that come behind them. And so, you know, that's the reason why, you know, the organization is, is, is impactful for me. The, uh, I'm going to go back to something you may have said earlier in regards to uh, to be better, to be better as a person. And then that in, impacts your company. Uh, share how so. Yeah, so when I when I say when I say be better, what I'm really saying is how do you take the way you think and grow it over time? And most people most people spend more time planning their vacation than they do planning their life. And when you don't take the time to think through who you want to be, what you want to become, how you want to accomplish it. How do I continue to grow? You know, you, most people get a job and their resume is what got them the job. So they're in the thing that they, they have the experience. So they're in the thing that they wanted. The problem is they don't need a resume to stay at the job. So most people end up stopping the growth because they got to where they wanted to go. And in my opinion, that is the, the the easiest way to slide backwards in life because everything changes. The market changes, the you know, economy changes, everything changes. And you can get caught being in a position where like the people in the oil rig, I can't remember where it was, but Shell had gotten a bunch of oil in the ocean. And there were people who used to farm and fish there and they couldn't anymore. The problem is they never continue to double down on their skills. They never continue to figure out, how do I get better? How do I learn more? Because they already had the resume for the job that they were currently doing. And in my opinion, I think that you should always be looking not just at the resume that you got, but the resume you're trying to get. And that's about becoming better. Where do I want to go? Not where am I at today? And so I'm looking at the things like, what books am I reading? Who am I associating with? What, 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 um, you know, what, 
um, you know, trainings am I going to? How do I spend time pouring into me? Because there's only one of me. I'm the only one here. And so like, if I don't spend time investing in that, like we spend time investing in donuts and we spend time investing in, you know, uh, you know, all of, you know, in Netflix and all of these different things, how much time are we investing in ourselves to take ourselves to the next level? Um, and you know, some people say, well, I don't want to be a millionaire. Great. You don't need to be a millionaire, right? Like it's not about making more money, right? It's about doing the best that you can and living up to your potential. Because if you're, if you knew that your potential was like, let's say you did everything you could at this life, but you didn't really push it to your max. And you, you know, let's say they, let's say you stepped out of into heaven and you got a chance to look at yourself in the version of who you were and the person that you, who you could have been. And you see the person you could have been. Most people will be disappointed in the difference between who you are and who you could have been. And my one of my mentors, early mentors, Miles Monroe, used to say this all of the time, the richest place in the world is the graveyard because that's where everybody's goals and dreams and books and songs have died um, being unreleased and un, un, uh, um, you know, uh, unput out and unpublished because most people have given up on being better, becoming better. And uh, so I'm a big believer in that. Yeah, that's outstanding. Eugene, what would you like to share with your audience today that we may not have touched on? Um, I think the big thing is, you know, there's a lot of opportunities to give up. The easiest thing in the world is giving up. And success is merely holding on when others have let go. And so I just want to encourage you that no matter how difficult the situation is, how um, unclear the road ahead is, uh, how dark it may become. It's always darkest before the dawn. And if you can believe that everything that you have, everything that you are, everything that you've been through is going to get you to the place that you're trying to go if you just hold on and keep pushing forward and you know, figure out, get better while you're doing it. But like, that's my encouragement, man. There's so many people, like people talk so much about um, about failure. I don't want to fail. I don't want to fail. You know, I'm afraid, I'm afraid of failing. I've seen fear kill more people than failure ever will. And so many people just don't even start out of fear, out of, out of worrying about what other people think, uh, out of like, you know, so many people quit because they don't, they don't want to move forward because they're afraid. And so my whole, um, you know, uh, my message to them is just like, keep pushing through, man. You know, you have it. And there's somebody on the inch of success and, you know, you're you know, one handshake away from a million dollars. You're, you're one in- introduction away from changing your life forever. And, you know, again, like, you know, clo- you know going back to the hope hanger, like I really have a, a passion for those who aren't teeter tottering on the edge. And how can we help you, you know, uh, move to the place of success? And I think that um, that success is not always wrapped up in dollars, but you know, uh, uh, it is something that you can achieve if you uh, if you focus and you keep your your head down and you keep pushing forward. Eugene, a real honor and pleasure having you on the Innovators today. Thank awesome. you very much for being here, sir. Thank you for having me. Thank you, thank you once again. You've been listening to the Innovators. Radio show and podcast, KZSU Stanford, 90.1 FM. Our guest today has been Eugene Johnson, the CEO of Revy, a technology solution company to drive revenue through consumer data and relationships like e-commerce sites do. Revy's recognized 
as elevating the consumer experience by digitizing their purchasing process, allowing them to build consumer profiles, personalize their experience, and reward them through the purchase journey. For more information, feel free to visit GetRevy.com. That's GetRevy.com. The Innovators Podcast is recorded at KCSU Stanford and on location. Thank you very much. The Innovators radio show and podcast is recorded at Stanford University Studios in Stanford, California, and on location. The audio engineer is Eris Chikopoulos and chief engineer Mark Lawrence. And the executive producer of The Innovators is Tom Dioro.